I feel so excited about this time with you tonight. Like we're about to have a moment together, you know? Just some kind of historical marker. And I think that's because of what Jesus has in mind. And I'm so happy to share this space with you. What he's about to come (laughs) and do with and for us. Thank you, worshipers. Oh, while you guys were playing, I was seeing the sound as wind, and it was pressing the veil between heaven and earth like this, pushing it, pushing it. There's a pressure that you're putting on heaven that is profound. And I think there's going to be an and suddenly moment for you where all of a sudden it breaks. And you won't even realize that it wasn't really about the breaking moment. It was about the years of pressing that led to that breakthrough. And I'm like thinking, I hope I'm in the room when it happens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the pressure, the sound... Every single time, it's mattering. So thank you for your perseverance in worship. Yeah. And thank you, pastors, for sharing your space. I was sitting there thinking, what would it be like to have these people in my life every week? Uh Just the passion and the brilliance and the love so rich, and thank you for sharing your Friday evening with me and with us. We're really honored to be here with you tonight. I want to tell you about this book that I wrote, and then I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in, okay? But part of what I feel I am to do in the places where I'm going is give voice to Ruby Joy's legacy. And were you all here last night? Is anyone here for the first time tonight? Welcome, welcome. Oh, good. Okay, so you heard some of the story. Uh, So thank you for coming back. And uh, our daughter lived for about three years and then passed away from a genetic disease. And At her uh, memorial service, I had this beautiful, determined Latino man coming down the aisle at me. And so much of that night is a daze. But I remember he got to me in the front of the room and he said, "Uh, you will write her story, and when you do, it'll bring great glory to God and great healing to many people. And the word sat down inside of me like it landed in a way that it wouldn't move until I did something with it. And when I began to write about the process of life with Ruby, about suffering, about the beauty of who God is to those who suffer, uh, it became my healing journey the creative writing of the story, and I didn't know if I would ever share it. But what I found over time was whenever I began to talk about my story, there was a resonance with people in general who have also suffered. There's something about the fellowship of suffering. It's a real place in the spirit where you share something And even though your story is not mine and mine's not yours, there's something we have in common. And I was watching emotional healing happen in such a dynamic way through sharing my story, even though people didn't necessarily have the same kind of loss or disappointment. And so through much wrestling with the Lord and some bravery, Uh, We published this in March of this year, and it's very vulnerable. It's not pretty. It's beautiful, but it's not tied up in a bow. It's the real honest process 
of what we walked through and who we found God to be in the midst of it. And so this book is dedicated to those who suffer and are brave to mine their suffering for beauty. And so I want to encourage you to read it, whether you buy it here or there's an ebook online, and to share it with those who may just need some help navigating from where they are onto an encounter with him. Okay? Now, this is the fun part. When I was driving in here yesterday, I heard the Lord say, books, like this, books, books. And I felt that there were writers here who need to write books. <laughs> and I felt even in the next two years that there would be books coming out of this house. And so I want to pray and prophesy over those of you for a moment who feel called to write. And some of you don't have the confidence to say you're going to write a book. I don't care. <laughs> I have a word for you. So if you are someone who desires to write, you have inspiration to write, will you just stand so I can pray with and for you? Yes! Yes, this is exciting. Oh, wow. That's a lot. This is like a percentage of the room. Books, books, books. All right. Just receive from him as I pray for and with you. So I release this word over this house. Books, 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 books. And in the name of Jesus, in a spirit of prophetic intercession, I call up out of you the books that you are to write. Holy Spirit, I ask for an activation right now of motivation to write. I take authority over the voices of insecurity that would keep them from expressing what they have to express in Jesus' name. I break off of you any assignment of the enemy to delay your writing process. And in the name of Jesus, I declare the wind of God behind you to propel you forward to write, 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 write. And I also declare over you that what you have to say matters. It's not redundant. It doesn't matter if you think there's another book on it. Yours doesn't exist and it needs to exist. So in the name of Jesus, I place value on your idea of what you need to write in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a grace on this house for written work that will go far and wide. Open doors, God, with publishers. Open doors with designers. Open doors with editors. Feel like you guys have a lot of connections even in the house to be able to do this well. And I bless that in the name of Jesus. I celebrate you as a writer. And I value you tonight as a writer. And I bless you in the name of Jesus as a writer. Holy Spirit, thank you for the creativity birthing within. Words, words, and more words. I give you permission to prioritize writing, to find a writing habit, to be woken up for the purpose of writing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Uh, this is one of our writers. I want you to have this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Partly because your poetry thing, when you begin to read, you'll understand. This is a memoir, but it's written creatively, and I think there's some things for you there. Yes. Okay. How are you feeling? Good? There are days like these where I wake up and I think, today I get to preach. <laughs> I love it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you for a reason. 
the spirit of the sovereign Lord, the highest one, is resting on you. He's with you because of something. Because the Lord has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you from wherever you are, sent ones. He has sent you from where you are to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness Release from darkness. You get to do this. <laughs> you get to do this. Proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. <clears throat> to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Oh, this is so fun. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The slippery wet oil of gladness instead of mourning. And to put on to people a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. By the time you get done with people, they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because he has anointed you to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to get into places where people are stuck in darkness and tell them that they are now free. You get to put crowns on people, put robes on people, You get to come step in and be the expression of comfort for those who mourn. And by the time you're done with somebody, anybody can look back and say, that is an oak of righteousness planted deep, displaying the glory of God. So Jesus gets up and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because, he quotes from Isaiah, the Lord has anointed me to do these things. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That word save is the word sozo, which you may be familiar with. It means to be made whole, saved, healed, and delivered. So this prophecy that Isaiah gives this word of the Lord that he gives, and Jesus steps in as a fulfillment of it. Isaiah speaks it. Jesus steps in as a fulfillment of it, and then he demonstrates to us what it looks like to do it. And then he tells us to go do it. To make whole spirit, soul, and body. 
I am so encouraged, friends, that that is possible because of him. The whole thing. Yes, yes, yes. Transformation is real because of this man, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. You don't have to abdicate a part of your transformation. You can have it all because of him. So he demonstrates to us what it's like, and then he tells us to go do it. And the best that we can do is turn around and stare at what he did and try to figure it out so that we can turn around and replicate it. One of the things I love to study are the miracles of Jesus trying to figure out why he did them the way he did them. Because it wasn't the same way twice. And I believe that it's because when he was addressing someone, he was addressing more than their body. He was actually speaking and ministering and embracing and relating in a way that was bringing healing to their whole person. Deliverance, inner healing, and physical healing in a moment. It's fascinating to take a look at it. I also think it's really interesting that in the account of Jesus' ministry, there are so many accounts of one-on-one interactions that he had with people. And I don't know why they, the, the writers wrote more about that than they did about the crowds of ministry because we know that was also happening. But you have to wonder if it was really in the one-on-one that there were these striking power encounters that were taking place. When Jesus interacted with somebody, like, watch out. So there are the 10 lepers. I have good news for you. They all got healed. But one of them came back. Why? What? To say thank you. And it says that the one that came back received sozo, was made whole, had not just a physical healing, but an emotional healing. There's something about the expression of gratitude that actually was evidence of an emotional healing that took place. And he's in the mud, spitting, putting it on the man's eyes. And in that time, it was custom to actually spit on those with disabilities. This man had likely heard that sound as a sound of shame over and over and over again. And what does Jesus do? He takes the very thing that had likely been punching his soul. I'm talking about his heart and his soul and uses that very sound to heal his body. You know this woman who is pressing through the crowd to get to him. The woman with the issue of blood, she had spent all that she had on doctors who could not help. That is the worst. It's the worst. when you empty out your bank account and then some to try to get help, help that is very painful to go through and it ends up not working. Right before she gets to him, there's a man that comes to Jesus advocating for his child who is sick. This is my attempt to try to figure this out, okay? Jesus has the man coming, advocating for the child. And then there's this woman coming, 
who has spent all that she had and she has no advocate. She's pressing her own way into him. And when he turns around, who touched me, he addresses her this way. He says, my daughter. He doesn't use that language with everyone. But there's something about this scenario. Can you see into it with me? There's something about this scenario, that healing for this woman in her body. She needs more than a healing in her body. And the word that brings it is this word, my daughter. And it says that she was made whole, that she was healed. Every person's life is different. Their story is different. Their needs are different. And love will find a way in. And when you are friends with the Holy Spirit, you are friends with someone who knows that person's story in detail. That one that you sit with, that, that one that you are friends with, he's actually been with you or this person through every moment of their experience. And he knows, he knows if the word needs to be my daughter or you know? <laughs> We so deeply value, like Pastor was saying, the transformation process. And I believe it is often a process. And yet, as we try to figure this process out together, I want to highlight to you this, the piece of it that is the spirit of the sovereign Lord has anointed you to bind up the brokenhearted in a way that is so specific to whatever person you're with, where he alone knows what exactly is needed. So I'm going to unpack this a little bit further. And it took me this long to tell you something very important. This message is about emotional healing, if you're wondering. Because tonight, I think two things are going to happen. One is that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is here to meet you, not just for healing of your heart, even though that's what I'm focusing on, also for healing of your body. We're going to minister tonight. We're going to prophesy. We're going to do our best together to lean into this power of the spirit of the sovereign Lord and see what he will perform which is fine, I'm looking forward to it. But I also think that you are made to carry a greater measure of this thing that I'm talking about. And so I want to do my best with the time I have tonight to tell you what I do know. And you can decide which parts of it resonate and which parts don't. Okay? <laughs> I was in Kmart. Do you have Kmart? <laughs> it's a department store. 
Do you have command strips? Okay. <laughs> Mitch and I were living in a little apartment, and the rule was no nails in the wall. And as someone who is visually oriented, art is really important to me, which is one reason I love being in your building. It's like every room is an experience here. It's so beautiful. So art needed to go up because that's how I get inspired. My environment is really important to how I feel and how I process and how I create. And so we bought the command strips on, to put on all these things. And we would hang them up, and we'd go to bed, and we'd be lying in bed. <laughs> and all of a sudden, bam, you know? So many things broke in that time until we were spending a lot of money flipping these things over and covering them, you know, in Velcro that makes great promises <laughs> and does not always deliver. So I'm in Kmart and there's this woman that is in the aisle looking at the command strips, the Velcro. And by the way, they do work. I just, in my experience, you have to use a lot of them. So I'm, what, I see her, older woman, seeming a little frail, and she's looking at the command strips and I'm thinking, no. <laughs> This is probably some family heirloom that, you know, like she's about to hang and she's going to have to bam while she's in bed and ah! So I'm feeling compassion for her, but it's more about the experience of this product, you know? And so I went over and I started to talk with her and I told her my experience with the Velcro. And then I noticed that she was looking at me and lingering, and I realized God is here, standing in the aisle of Kmart. And so I asked her what was going on and if there was anything she needed prayer for. And she began to share with me about her story. Um, some of you will relate to this. When you carry an anointing for emotional healing, people will start sharing things with you that they don't usually talk about. And then they'll say to you, I don't know why I just told you that. <laughs> or they'll say to you, I've never told anyone that before. That is a sign that you are carrying a grace for healing of the heart, by the way. Because like I talked about last night, there's a need to feel safe in the exposure of what's going on inside. And so we end up, it was almost 45 minutes of ministry standing in the uh, aisle, and I was just leading her through some forgiveness, some of the process that you may be familiar with from your own inner healing ministry. And uh, she's crying, and I see the light begin to come into her face, and transformation was going on. And uh, it was beautiful. When I got back into the car, I had an embarrassing moment with the Lord that was helpful for my learning process <laughs> because um, I said to him, that's what I always see happen, God. I want to see limbs grow out. I want to see the lame walk. Why is it always the heart with me? And uh, the Lord said to me, when is the last time that you shared your life story with a total stranger in the aisle at Kmart. I said, call it what you want, Katie, but I call it a miracle. And then he said, until you learn to practice what I've given you, I won't be giving you more. Until you learn to value the way that I use you, you're not going to grow. And it sent me on this journey of really wanting to discover what this looks like 
in everyday life. So here's some things I've learned about it. For one, there isn't a formula, so sorry. Some people need to be touched. Some people need to not be touched. Some people need to be pursued. Some people need their boundaries respected. Some people really need to talk, and other people need to stop talking. <laughs> Some people need to be corrected, and other people need to be validated. So the way that I think about this specific piece, the emotional healing piece, is that in my experience, there are certain ingredients that are always present. And it's a matter of what time is it for which. People experience love so differently. But you will begin to discern it very clearly when you try. And you already do. When you're with someone, you have a sense whether they need to be touched or not. A lot of what people need is not like a puzzle to figure out. It's when you get close enough to them, you know. But that requires you to get close to people because you're not gonna figure it out very well from a distance. But when you're near them, you can discern it. Do not be afraid of the brokenhearted. Do not validate physical and emotional distance from the hurting. Because what they need to heal is love. And love targeted for them in their story is going to come through you being close enough to figure that out. That makes sense? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love being with the brokenhearted because I feel the closest to Jesus when I'm there. Because it's true, he's near to the brokenhearted. So the ingredients that I find are often present, and these are things that you can just have in your pocket, <laughs> whether it's for your own journey or ministering to others, and using discernment in the moment to know what's needed, all right? The first is honor. I have an illustration for those who are visual to help us with these four. I think I have it. <laughs> one of the things that God is calling us to right now is bringing emotional healing and deliverance into environments where it's brand new, into communities and streams that don't use it. And so we've been trying to get creative about how to do that. And you know what has been the most helpful? Using cartoons and emojis. Because anybody's like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's been really fun. So we use emojis to teach what we do, uh, but the first one is honor, and it's a crown. So this is the first ingredient in my experience where when emotional healing takes place, there is honor present for the person. 
dignity for the person and an understanding that this person has overcome a lot to get to wherever they are. Even in this room, you alone know the journey that it's taken, the courage it's taken for you to get to the point where you are today. When I was working in anti-human trafficking with the Salvation Army, I started as an intern. Internships are scary <laughs> because, I mean, you just don't know the kind of work that you're gonna have to do in the name of an internship. And one of my assignments was to go through all of our material. It was in uh, DC, part of an advocacy group that also did some aftercare, and go through all of the materials and edit out the word victim and change it to survivor. So the woman I was working for was actually involved in writing the policy for the first trafficking in persons law in the States. And she was very passionate about language and appropriate language, as you need to do when you write policy, because years and years and years from now, whatever that word is, is being used in court to make decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So, however, this was tedious for me. And I don't do well sitting on computers for hours and hours and hours, and that's really what it was. And here I am thinking I'm going to be a hero working in anti-human trafficking in Washington, D.C., and I'm sitting on a computer trying to pull out wherever the word victim is and replace it with the word survivor. And I really did not understand why it mattered. Until I'm at a conference on the West Coast for a gathering of groups that are working in anti-human trafficking, and there's a survivor of sex trafficking there who's sharing her test, gonna share her testimony, 13 years old. And when she walked, when she got up onto the stage, the whole place just stood, erupted in applause for her. And I'm watching her come out, and I'm hearing the sound of honor going towards her. And all of a sudden, it was like any minute that I had spent taking that word victim out of that paperwork was worth it. Because there was nothing victim about her. Do you understand? Like if ever there was a survivor, this girl's alive. Not only is she alive, she's willing to actually share her story. It's like I understood all of a sudden. That's true of human beings in general. Jesus says, in this world we're gonna have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There's an overcoming spirit that God has given us that has to be celebrated. When you see somebody who's broken, I am telling you, they are not just broken. They are a survivor of something. They've overcome something. And until people know that they have had the strength to come through, they don't know that they will have the strength to heal. Through honor, you get to tell them that they have the strength to heal. Because clearly, if you're alive and you've gotten into the room, yes, you can do this next part of recovery. Does that make sense? Sometimes all people need to heal is honor. Sometimes that's enough. It's just the revelation of knowing you are an overcomer, you've persevered through a lot, you can do this piece, come on. I think about it often when I pass the homeless. God only knows how much these people have overcome to be alive and choosing every day to keep living. These are some of the strongest people around us. And as soon as they know it, they will have strength to heal. So you and I get to remind people of the strength that they already have. So when you are 
I actually will spend time honoring people because I so believe in the power of that for emotional healing. How can I crown this person with honor? What can I say to validate their experience? I want to just take a moment to demonstrate this for you. And if it's okay with the woman here in the red, I would like to honor you. Is that okay? What is your name? Shara. Sharon. Sharon. Oh. Uh, Sharon, thank you for being brave and letting me talk to you in front of everybody. And I just want to honor you in the name of Jesus. I feel like some of the overcoming qualities that I'm talking about are just deeply true about you and your story. And I have a picture of you uh, carrying a lot of weight. And I feel like there have been years of your life where you were responsible to carry more than just you and what was in your sphere. And God wants to honor you tonight for the strength that you've exerted for the care of others. And so in the name of Jesus, I just place a crown of honor over you tonight and all the thankless jobs, like all the things that you've done for people in your sphere that went unnoticed. I just say that the Lord saw them all. And tonight, he honors you and I honor you. Let's just honor her. You can practice honor and get really sharp <laughs> with it. All right. Honor. The next one is forgiveness. Can you see what's going on here? Do you understand this? We have the crown, and now we have a what? Key. Key, yes. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story about the unmerciful servant, and it makes me really nervous <laughs> because I can see myself in it, you know? But the man was, his debt was actually canceled. I mean, everything that he owed to the master, the master cancels his debt, forgives it all. The wages of sin is death. That is what you and I deserve. And the master has canceled our debt entirely. Jesus, thank you. He forgives, he forgives it all. And somebody he needs to hear that tonight. He forgives it all. There isn't any peace of your experience with darkness that is not redeemable and already paid for under the blood of the Lamb. The master forgives it all, and then the man goes out from his presence runs into someone who owes him a little bit of money, and he takes it out on him, demands that he pays it back. When the master finds out about this, he is not happy. Because it's not right. And this middleman is sent to be tormented until he can pay it all back. It's a sharp, it's, it's a difficult story. But there's something, it's tr there's a reality there, friends. Like when offense is being carried, 
It's not something that I can take off of you. It's something that you have to choose to release. Forgiveness, setting a prisoner free and finding out that prisoner was you. I want you just to do this with me for a minute. Just close your eyes and say, Jesus, is there anyone I need to forgive tonight? And whether you have experience in listening prayer or not, I just want you to wait and see if someone comes to mind. And then I just want to invite you to repeat after me and say, Jesus, I choose to forgive this person for the hurt they caused me. And I release them from all harm they did to me and I repent for partnering with judgment against them and I choose tonight to release the burden of bitterness to you Jesus what do you want to give me in exchange to feel for them And just with your eyes closed, just raise your hand if you're hearing something from him so I know how to lead you. I'm going to pray this over you. In the name of Jesus, I sever from you any trauma of darkness associated with that interaction and declare you free to love again in Jesus name amen it's very very simple to walk yourself through forgiveness to walk other people through it and forgiveness is not at all about diminishing the depth of the pain. It's about exalting the price that Jesus paid for it, that it's enough. Sometimes the person you need to forgive the most is yourself. Sometimes you feel like you need to forgive God. But the way that I recommend phrasing that is I repent for judgments I've made against you my perception of you because we know that he is flawless, right? Okay. We have our crown. We have our key. Next. Beliefs. It sounds to me like you all, how many of you have been through this Rama program here? That is so awesome. <laughs> Listen, the little bit I've heard about it, if you have not gone through it, you need to go through it. I am so excited about what is happening here and all the work that has gone into developing that thing. Okay? It is a, a gift from the Lord that it is available to you. And not everybody has that kind of accessibility to that kind of process. It sounds to me like this is a big part of it, beliefs. Yes, a lot of you have gone through it. So the most powerful beliefs, in my opinion, in your life are what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. It impacts the rest of your life. Right. The way that you view him, the way that you view yourself, it's the lens. This is glasses. Glasses is our next prop, okay? And 
for the sake of this meeting, I just want to say this. What is the lie and what is the truth? And there are times when you ask, what is the lie? And you need to pull out another ingredient like forgiveness because you learned it from somewhere or something that hurt you. And you're not really going to be able to let that thing go until you untie what it's tied to. So with beliefs, there are times where you can simply renounce a lie and what is the truth. There are other times where that lie is rooted in other things that need to be pulled up. God is love. I am so thankful for that scripture. <laughs> because here is the vastness of God. All of these stories, some, some of which are a little perplexing with how he acts towards people or things that happen, right? But somebody took on this task of describing and defining God in a single verse, in a single word. God is love. And so what we know, no matter what, is that all of who he is is consistent with love. Mm -hmm. And that's where our beliefs need to find their home about him. All right. Go through Rhema to learn more about that. We have our crown, we have our key, we have our glasses, and the last piece is exchanges. This is, this is where we house our deliverance ministry. Because to us, deliverance ministry is all about getting the space back inside of the heart and life that God is determined to house and host a gift from him of some kind. In Isaiah 61, when we talk about beauty for ashes... The point of it is not the ashes. The point of it is the beauty that belongs there. You know, it can seem like demonic oppression in your life is very random and chaotic. But I find that it's not. It's intentional to shut down and occupy aspects of your life that you are intended to go very far in. It's generally not random. You've had a long-standing battle with a spirit of fear. You probably have a great call of God to pioneer with boldness. There's something else that belongs there. I love that prayer of the Moravians. Do you know what I'm talking about? May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That's to us, that's what the exchanges is about. Going and contending with and for people that the reward of Jesus' suffering would be experienced in their lives. So we believe in deliverance ministry. We believe it's part of the good news of the gospel. We believe it's possible for Christians to be oppressed by the demonic. And we believe that Jesus came to set us free. Have you ever heard of the Freedom Bureau? The Freedom Bureau was set up after the Civil War had ended as a bureau within the government because the word that the war was over had not spread across the nation for us. And people were still living in slavery because they didn't know that they had been set free. Imagine this. This bureau is established and people are given this job. Your job is to go across the nation 
and find the people that have not heard that the war is over and tell them that they are free. As your full-time job, can you imagine the kind of life experience that you would have? I think it's a beautiful picture of exchanges in deliverance ministry and what we're called to do in setting the captives free. You're on the Freedom Bureau. Do you get it? <laughs> You're on the Freedom Bureau. There is a war that was very serious, impacting eternity. And this man named Jesus actually gave his life and shed his innocent blood, and the war ended. But not everybody knows about that. And you and I have actually been commissioned to go let people know that those chains of anxiety are illegal. That those night terrors are illegal. That that inability to pick your head up out of sorrow is illegal. That there is a divine exchange that has already been paid for heading towards you. Freedom, this is part of the good news of our gospel. So this area of exchanges in its simplest form, which is what I'm giving you tonight, because I believe you can minister in two to five minutes some of these things, and there's times for more in-depth ministry, but I also believe that we can carry a healing anointing in everyday life. So in its simplest form, somebody just needs to repent and hand that issue to God. And then ask him, what do you want to fill me with instead? What do you want to give me in exchange? So let's do this. Close your eyes and just say, Jesus. Is there anything you want me to give to you tonight? Jesus, I repent for any way I've partnered with this. I declare tonight that it is not my friend and I break any agreement with it. I choose to hand this to you, Jesus. What do you want to give me in exchange? And just with your eyes closed, just lift your hand if you're hearing from him something. Thank you, Lord. I bless you in the name of Jesus to know freedom in whatever this area is. And for those who didn't know what to identify, I bless you to know freedom, even in the areas of subconscious that you might not see or know are needed. And we welcome the gifts of God right now, the beauty, the cloak of praise, the comfort. We welcome the gifts of God, the things that you are giving in exchange. Come, Holy Spirit. Turn over these areas of our life. God, I ask that you would ring the bell of freedom inside of our own souls, and the sound would drive out any contending thing. Thank you, 
Holy Spirit, for breakthrough even now. Amen. Okay, so these four ingredients can be practiced in your devotional life. By the way, it is a good thing if you can get to the place where you can honor yourself. It's not easy to do. Just like loving yourself, it's not easy to do. They're connected. Listen to me. There is nothing but good fruit that can come out of love. Some of you need permission to love yourself. Knowing that it is not arrogance, it's not a slippery slope, it's the heart of God that you can value your own life like he does. You can practice these things in your own devotional life of honor, practicing forgiveness, beliefs, and exchanges, learning how to release what's illegal in your life, breaking agreement with it, giving it to him, and asking him what he wants to fill you with instead. And yes, there are times where you will want and need more care than what I'm expressing to you tonight. But praise be to God, he has planted you in a transformational community where it's available. Yes. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. In the meantime, I want you to know that you are anointed for this in everyday life to carry the healing presence of Jesus with you. You don't have to look far to find people that are hurting. Let them be your target, knowing that Jesus is near to the brokenhearted, and that's where we want to be.